Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want to do for you, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. I love listening to stand-up comics, and I especially appreciate it when they point out the funny parts of ordinary language that often goes unnoticed, like when a comedian highlights an oxymoron in their routine. The aha, I get it, spark goes off in me, and some of my favorite funny or sarcastic oxymorons are Microsoft works. (laughs) See, you had the aha moment. Express mail, especially in these days, or peacekeeper missile. As you probably know, an oxymoron is when you put two words together that seem to contradict each other. The two ideas don't belong together. The classic example is jumbo shrimp. Another would be plastic silverware, like I just used this last week as we were planning for the church picnic that is today. Well, in today's gospel reading from Mark, we have two concepts that are put together that don't seem to fit. It's the idea of being great placed side by side with being a servant. These two thoughts or images would seem to cancel each other out, but not the way Jesus tells it, not the way that Jesus demonstrates it, because he is a great servant. To put it more like an oxymoron, he is a prestigious servant. For the past three weeks, we've been hearing stories from Mark as Jesus and his disciples are making their way toward Jerusalem to the cross. Jesus knows what's coming, but the disciples don't. Jesus knows that there's suffering and death on the horizon, and the disciples don't get it, even though they've been told several times and in a variety of ways Jesus knows the kingdom that he speaks of, the one that God envisions, is different from the one that they experience now. 
but they can't wrap their minds around this new way, and so they keep trying to wiggle their way in, into the inside circle, to the best seats in the house, to the ones right next to Jesus when he comes into his glory. But James and John and the others, too, have no clue what that glory will actually be like. They are quick to say, yes, we are able. We can do it. We're here for you, Jesus. We got you. Now, I suppose that we are not too different from those two when it comes right down to it. We may not ask for seats next to Jesus, but it's easy to look at them and say, those silly disciples, you're always getting it wrong. You, can't you see that Jesus does things differently? He's been telling you all along how to follow in his way. But we, like the disciples, are seduced by the idea of greatness and glory. We too ask, what's in it for me? Are my desires being met? Am I getting the applause and recognition that I deserve? Pay attention to me, each one of us thinks. And we must confess that we are no better than those self-serving, glory-seeking disciples. What James and John fail to understand is that service in the kingdom of God is not a second-class means to a first-class end. Service is the end. Service is abundance. Service is power. Service is glory. Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first must be slave of all. The only path to success in Jesus' economy is through the surrendering of our most cherished forms of entitlement. Glory in God's kingdom is the generous and perpetual expending of oneself in love. Earlier, I used the oxymoron prestigious servant to get at the idea of the ones who want to be prestigious in the eyes of those in power and authority, those who want to be honored, to be in the inner circle, or to be held in high regard or glorified, we learn today in this scripture passage that we must be servants of all. To be great is to serve. And that's a radically different definition of greatness. It's not about amassing power and controlling people. It's not about getting your way and getting what you want. Rather, greatness is about service. It's about what you can do for others. And so we have to ask ourselves, how can I be a blessing to those that God has entrusted to my care? How can I be a channel of blessing to the people I meet and deal with every day? And that is so hard to do. It is a challenge, I know, because most days I don't feel like being a servant to anyone. Even though I know that I should, and I can easily feel guilty for never doing enough. It turns out, though, that helping others is actually good for us. Jesus was the first to show that greatness is realized in service, but now science backs it up. So if Jesus can't convince you, Maybe science can. 
A quick Google search produced several lists of the ways that serving others boosts our happiness, our health, and our sense of well-being. It can help us live longer. Service makes us happy, helps with chronic pain, lowers our blood pressure, promotes positive behaviors in teens, and gives us a sense of purpose and satisfaction. That's good to know, right? And our serving is done in small and big ways throughout our lives. We each have experienced moments, I'm sure, when we have put someone else's needs first because we wanted to please them or wanted something in return. Hold on. I didn't say that right. I'm going to start over. We each have experienced moments, I'm sure, when we have put someone else's needs first, not because we wanted to please them <laughs> or wanted something in return, but from the sheer delight of serving. Each of us has volunteered or helped out a friend or encouraged someone down in the dumps or lent a helping hand to someone in need. And when we did, we experienced the joy of giving ourselves to another. So today, during our time of silence, I invite you to think of a time when you have given yourself to another and found that vulnerability rewarded, not simply by the gratitude of the recipient, but by your own increased sense of purpose, fulfillment, and courage. And this, my friends, is our baptismal calling to greatness in God's kingdom. In a few moments, we will have a baptism. We'll baptize Louise. And together, we will remember our own baptisms, our own call to care for others and the world that God made and to work for justice and peace in the world, to be servants to all in need, to love one another, to stand up to injustices in the world, to stand beside those who are hurting and seeking healing, to work with those who are working for racial reconciliation, to hold accountable those who abuse domestic partners and children, to hold tenderly those who are sick or dying or grieving, to honor the beautiful creation that God has entrusted to us. This, this is the service to which we have been called. And we can be assured that God is with us, that God is faithful, and that God will not fail us. And that means that we really don't have to worry about where we sit in the kingdom. Our glory is found in giving, our strength in service, and our hope in Jesus. So, last pace isn't so bad after all, if you see it like that. Amen?